reducing hugely the price of development of AI, like organizations who have very little money cannot use AI because it's so expensive. There is no reason for this to be expensive. And that's what we want to do, democratize AI, that, that everyone should have access to this technology, uh, can utilize this for their benefit and, and solve real problems in the world. Not just Tesla's and Google's and, and, and Microsoft's world, but also small companies and even individuals should have the ability to solve Hello and thank you for joining Change I Am Possible, India's first future tech podcast. Do kindly subscribe, support and share. So artificial intelligence is infiltrating every industry and every businesses will need an AI framework to analyze data and succeed as an organization. But developing artificial intelligence currently is a super expensive affair. So I spoke with Rudradev Mitra, who wants to democratize AI. He's the founder, CEO of Omdena, that builds AI solutions for real-world problems through the power of bottom-up global collaboration, which I think is super brilliant, and I believe that's the future. So they have close to a thousand developers across 79 countries that work in tandem to build AI solutions for you. So his vision, like I said, is to democratize AI and make AI development affordable and cheap so that any and everyone can explore the possibility of leveraging AI for businesses and solving real world problems. I wish you enjoyed this conversation. So you don a quite a lot of hats, right? You have been through various startups and at this point in time, you have this company called Omdena. Could you in a brief tell me what Omdena uh, does and what, what are you doing? Uh, thanks a lot uh, for having me. Um, so about uh, Amdena, so we started 11 months ago and the idea is to create a global collaborative platform uh, where people from all over the world can come together, collaborate and some some real world problems using AI. So since we started 11 months ago, over 950 plus collaborators from 780 countries actually, just today someone from Albania actually joined. Wow. Uh, making it eight, eight country who have collaborated solving around 18 problems working with UNHCR, uh, World Food Programme, World Energy Council, World Resource Institute and also startups like Safe City actually is an Indian uh, NGO. I don't know if you guys mm -hmm. know and Safe City is working actively on, sex on reducing sexual harassment as well as uh, maybe domestic violence. Um, or, or working in Brazil with uh, companies trying to fire, fight forest fire or a Swedish company. So across the globe, work with different organizations across all the continents, including the US, South America, Europe, Africa and, and Asia. Yeah, that's what we have been doing. And, and yeah, it's, uh, it has been an interesting journey till now. Lovely. So, so yes. I mean, collaboration is the future, right? I mean, at this point in time, I mean, the ones who are working on silos are dying off. I mean, the, I, I feel that, you know, when we come together, there's so much more that we can do, right? So you, you said at this point in time, you already have 950 collaborators under the uh, the, the umbrella of Omdena, right? So so could you, I mean, for my listeners who don't know about you and Omdena, can, can you just go back, rewind a bit and narrate your journey and how did Omdena happen? Well, my journey, I don't know where do you want me to start the journey. <laughs> um, so maybe I can, I, I will try to give it like the full picture of my journey and try to make it as brief as possible. So originally I come from India. I left India in 2003, January. And how it happened was that I wrote a, published a paper on AI in 2002, December. 
Uh, it was published in an international conference, and a professor in Germany read that. And this is an interesting part of the journey because that's how he came to Europe. And he he read it and he said, um, "Do you want to come over and and work for me?" And I said, "Look, and I come from a middle class family in India. I have no money to to even survive there." And so he gave a scholarship um, for me to come over. I'm extremely grateful for that. And that's when started my journey. So 2003 January, I landed in in Germany. I was working in AI on soccer playing robots, and I went to Belgium. So over the next six, seven years, I worked on various labs, startup, on mostly on AI. At that time, AI was kind of different than what it is now. Um, then, and also in the UK, I worked for UK government project. And then I went and did my master's in Cambridge in 2009 and 10. And from there onwards, 2010 onwards, I built a few startups. My first startup was also in Cambridge. Um, and then, you know, I worked with my brother who been based in Silicon Valley, and I built then a few more companies. And then 2017, um, I left everything because I'm also a kind of minimalist and quite, I do a lot of meditations. I felt like a lot of money is not something that I want to earn in my life. And I didn't know what, what I really want to do in my life, but I thought I just don't want to be earning a lot of money. Um, and then I started writing and, and somehow some of my articles became quite popular and then I was invited to speak. So what happened that 2018 and 19, uh, I spent, I spoke in over 90 events in 29 countries, and I was invited to speak in all these places. And I, you know, um, not that I was looking for to be a speaker. Um, and what happened during those travels? I met a lot of really, really interesting people. And by the way, also I'm a mentor of Google for startups. So often Google also used to send me to different parts of Europe, mostly to 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 mentor startups. And all during this experience, I traveled extensively in Eastern Central Europe, like you know, Serbia, Montenegro, or you know, Belarus, Turkey, uh, Kazakhstan. And I thought there's so much of talent out there. And 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 what has happened because of online education and access to videos, you know, courses, people have a lot of knowledge now, which is say, 10 years ago they didn't have. When I was studying, I didn't have, but they don't have access to opportunities. Uh, and I felt like deeply that can I create a place where people have equal access to opportunities? And I wrote an article in 2018, actually, about future of work. And I felt we want to build a world where no matter where you live, you have equal access to opportunities, not just knowledge and education. And that's the first driver of creating Amdena. And from there onwards, what happened that I always was thinking, why do we have to always compete? Like if you look at Kaggle, which is quite popular among data science, and I, I wrote about it that Kaggle is not actually utilizing the full power of the people. Because in Kaggle, you, you are competing with each other, you know, you're creating a smaller group. It's not a collaborative environment. And, and I thought, can I create something which is people coming together and collaborating with each other, learning from each other? And that also creates a much more ethical AI. Because when you bring 40, 50 people from 20, 25 countries, they bring different backgrounds, knowledge, different experiences, 30% are women. You, by design, end up creating more ethical solutions. Because you know they, they will bring those kind of uh, details that often engineers, male engineers, and often white, maybe I would say that way, are not aware of many of those problems. And that's basically it all started. And um, and and from there onwards, you know, I also believe that AI has should always be used for helping the society and solving problems for the society, um, not just creating autonomous cars and robots. That's how we perceive it. And 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 that also was inbuilt into Amdena. So basically came up this collaboration was like, you know, come together, work together, build something together, solving a problem um, and, and while learning from each other. And, and, that's, and, and that's how it, it all started. Lovely, beautiful. So I, I, I think it's a beautiful journey. And, and uh, so, so yes, like you said, it's all started when you 
did that research paper and you send it to the person in Europe and, and he liked it. And, and at the point of time, you said you didn't have money to like, and like uh, you didn't have money to kind of fly and go abroad when he called you, right? But then I guess, I mean, impossible is nothing. I guess that's what a show is also based on, right? I mean, if, if, if you're working hard, the universe functions in ways which is unimaginable. It kind of like nudges you forward, right? And and uh, yes, I mean, I don't get the point when you said minimalistic approach of you don't want to earn a lot of money. But I, I think that's another conversation altogether. That that maybe we can sit and have a conversation sometime else. So yes, you all also uh, uh, stressed on online education. The world is changing at this point of time. Education is getting democratized and, and, and you don't need to get into those expensive education institutes. You don't need to spend a whole lot of big bucks, you know. At this point of time, Coursera and there's so many of the online MOOCs is offering free education. Only thing is stopping a person is a desire and intent, right? And I really appreciate the fact that, uh, yes, there has been lack of opportunity. And you are creating that through Omdena, giving uh, access of opportunity to everyone, the ones who, because like like you rightfully said, uh, mentioned, you know, there's so much talent at this point in time. So tell me, I mean, you know, the uh, a collaborative model, it, it's brilliant. It's the future. Open source model is definitely the future. Currently, we've got big heads, big egos. How does that work for you? How, uh, what are the positives and negatives of a collaborative model? By the way, before I answer this question, I would briefly answer one of the comments that you said about uh, Osho and you said about like uh, the path in the universe. And that's absolutely true. And whenever I speak, I give many podcasts and people often end up talking about that a lot more. Um, and I, I don't have a life. I don't live life with goals. And I, I, I think that you just do your best every day and, and then let the universe show you the signs and just follow those signs. Um, and intuition is the best driver of those rather than trying to control. And I just had a call just before you with a lady from Switzerland who read about some of the things I write and we had the same discussion. I wrote an article called Effortless Living and I really talk about that. How do you live life effortlessly? That you should do whatever you do feel, should feel effortless. Either you're in a, whatever relations you are, what you do. And this is kind of goes to the same space. Now, coming back to the question that you asked, collaborative, what is the problems? And uh, of course, the biggest challenge is no one really believes that could work. And even when I started this 11 months ago, it was kind of unimaginable in some ways that you are bringing people who have never met each other, who who are come from different backgrounds, different cultures, who who different time zones. Like one, I just had another call with you before you again, like a lady from Japan. And and, she, and we have to start a new challenge in, in two ways and from US. So, you know, you can imagine this kind of really interesting, but it somehow works out. And it works out because ultimately um, the intrinsic motivation of people is super important. Like what you said, that it's all that is required. You are really motivated to do something that you really want to make a change and you want to contribute and learn. There's an aspect of learning also. And that's what makes this whole thing work. Um, that's the beauty of what is this. That's the advantage. And advantage is also, like I said, this, this kind of environment is super interesting. Learning, I mean, not only what I'm saying, like if you go to our LinkedIn feed, you can see what people write about us, what their experiences. We have reached whatever, another thing I haven't said, with zero advertisement budget. We have spent a zero dollar in advertising on there until now, in the last 11 months. And we have been covered in Forbes, you know, we have been covered in the next web. So that's how it is, it works. But what is the bad side of it? It's just to 
convince people that this model works because this is quite a disruptive idea. It's not like copying a model that works in the US and applying in a given country. It's not like an e-commerce website. It's just something that has never been tried. And there is an open source project, quite rightly said, but open source doesn't really deliver. You can see there's a lot of corporates do not, organizations do not want to work often in open source projects. So they don't think that really delivers the final results. So to, to us, the challenge is and has been till now, but also is to convince people that, look, this works. This You could build very sophisticated AI and machine learning models using this kind of approach, that you can make people come together who who learn and, and, and without starting from zero data. And if, if some of the quotes I can talk about, one guy, Anastasis from Greece, he, he after this experience, he said his biggest learning was the understanding the true potential of this generation. He said, we started from zero data, and then we ended up building a very interesting sophisticated machine learning model. And that realization that we can start from zero data, data is out there, community comes together, they look for the data, they kind of find the solutions. That's the biggest advantage of this kind of model. Um, reducing hugely the price of development of AI, like organizations who have very little money cannot use AI because it's so expensive. There is no reason for this to be expensive. So that's the thing, and that's what we want to do, democratize AI, that that's everyone should have access to this technology, uh, can utilize this for their benefit and, and solve real problems in the world. Not, not just, you know, Tesla's and Google's and, and, and Microsoft in the world, but, but also small companies and even individuals should have the ability to solve the problem. That, that's the thing. Yeah, lovely, how cool is that? And, and I, I guess we are on the path to democratizing AI. And, and I'm sure that, I mean, we need more people like uh, you guys who believe in that ethos. And, and like, like you mentioned, you know, you need to convince others, you know, I mean, because that's, that's, that's the, I think, the only block. Once you start convincing people that this is, I mean, you, you, you need to imagine the future because, I mean, in all fairness, I feel it's inevitable that... In the near future, I'm saying maybe like a, a couple of decades away, hive mind is going to be uh, uh, inevitability, right? I mean, because your machines are growing more powerful, automation is taking over, and it, and we 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 already using these small implants or, or you know to kind of augment us. So so that is an inevitability. So so tell me, I mean, at this point in time, we are currently grappling with COVID-19. Right? The world is under humongous stress i mean you know there's this economic uh, downturn there's going to be impacts on your uh, small businesses big businesses your individual societies education everything is impacted right so how do you see technology uh, helping uh, the fight against covid-19 so here of course this, there are, i will give you um, there are two ways you can use technology in this case, and there's a great article that Harare wrote in, in uh, FT that came out. I don't know if you've read it. It's an amazing article. He talks about technology and exactly answering this question, and, and I kind of agree to some of his points. So one side of technology you can use to surveillance purpose, right? For example, countries like even India or Spain are using drones and looking where are the people walking around, for example, or trying to disperse the crowd. I know one, one of my friends has invested in a startup which is doing social distancing so that you are aware if you're less than two meters, it beeps you that, ah, oh, you're too close to a person. Or, you know, there's a way you can use technology like that. I am against that kind of using technology. I, I do not think that goes into our privacy and we should be super afraid of and super careful of 
not only startups, but also governments using this technology for taking out our freedom. And this is what also Harari says. And then he gives one line, which is, I absolutely agree. He says, the same technologies that governments can use to do our do surveillance against us, individuals can also use the same technology to do surveillance against the governments and make sure that governments are doing the right job. And I think, as an Omdena, and even personally, I think that is the direction that I want to go forward. And, and, and here comes what we started one and a half months ago or a month ago. Uh, what we looked at is governments around the world are taking this lockdown in various ways. If you compare from Sweden to, let's say, on outside India or South American countries, some countries are doing it complete lockdown. Some countries are doing much more relaxed, right? And we, I don't come here, we don't want to come here as an opinion saying, okay, look, this is bad or right. No, what we want to understand is the effects of the lockdown on the most vulnerable population. Now, what is the vulnerable population we define? Vulnerable population to us is people who are losing access to healthcare. Maybe you have seen that there's an, there's an increase of spike of deaths that happened post-COVID. And that across every country, and not only people who are suffering from COVID, actually there have been increases spike because people are losing access to healthcare, access to hospitals. Hospitals are refusing to take patients. Even in India, my mother was saying that uh, they are sick and doctors are refusing to come to their home because they're too afraid of the COVID. So large amount of people are losing access to healthcare. People with cancer patients and things like that. And that's something we have to be extremely careful. We have to understand that how lockdowns is affecting those people. Second thing, we're looking at people who are losing their their, uh, their, their uh, employment and income. Because a lot of, in India, informal sector doesn't lose employment or formally because you know, employment, they don't have employment. So employment loss will not show there, but they're losing income. And again, a lot of people are talking about, oh, it's good that governments are choosing health over economy. And I say, are you really aware that for 60% of India or, or majority of the world population, economy is healthcare? If they don't earn money, they don't have food to eat. It's not that they have tons of money in the, and, and, and holding lots of food. So you have to be taking about that people too, you know? And the third is vulnerable population is domestic violence. And as you may have known, there's a huge spike in domestic violence cases against women and even sexual abuse against children have gone up rapidly. Now, what about those people? So what we are trying to understand through this analysis is government policies that they have across the board in different countries have done this lockdown. How is it affecting the, the vulnerable population? How big is the impact? And looking at different countries like Sweden and eight to 10 countries we've identified. And so that the goal here is to understand that tomorrow, again, we are aware that such pandemics will keep on coming back, either COVID or another. Are we going to lock down the country after country every time that lockdown happens? Are we going to just close the borders and say, Let's just lock ourselves in our home and just hope, you know, what are we going to do next time? Is that the most efficient way to deal with the situation? So for us, what we are doing is to understand the effects of these um, policies, not midterm, not long term, on an immediate term, on a short term. Losing access to healthcare is immediate. You know, losing our jobs, not having income is immediate. Domestic violence is immediate. So that's the thing we are analyzing. So that the goal is that in future, if and when this pandemic again comes back, and maybe COVID will come back again, you know, once the, the cycle will come back. So the governments are able to make a more data-driven policies and data-driven and, uh, and decisions and not an opinion-driven or, I don't know, maybe some other kind of driven. Uh, that's what we are actually doing to, to kind of analyze and make sure that the government policies are data-driven and really analyzing all the effects and not just based on some other 
ways of doing decisions. Right. Yeah. So let, let me just go back one, one, one thing at a time. So you said uh, the the technology at this point in time. Obviously, there are these people who are using thermal-based AI for. Uh, you know, I mean, you know checking i mean if, if somebody's got fever and besides that it's capturing so so many other data there are these contact and tracing apps which is uh, which which uh, if you step out of a certain zone it kind of beeps and sends the signal to the authority so yes i mean i do believe that these these technologies are needed at this point in time but there should be a time limit for it and if not we are definitely creating a surveillance society and and, and you rightfully uh, said that these these surveillance systems will one day be used against the government because yes I mean technology is no longer a big deal it's no longer only for those tech behemoths I mean anybody who learns basic coding understands the technology and and all of these technologies are so potent it does not discriminate it's right so it's, it's it's not uh, it'll, it'll it'll hit whoever you want to hit right the world was caught superbly unprepared. For something like that there was no emergency strategy and and like you said and right now we need to be a little bit more cautious and have a data-driven approach rather than going completely random uh... today i posted something on linkedin and we saw really interesting that there's a google mobility trend versus the google search engine and we saw immediately when the mobility went down there's a huge spike huge spike on, on domestic violence um, uh, searches immediately like it was just correlation and across all the countries, South Africa, Germany, um, France, I just posted it in LinkedIn, and, and, and we see that. So that's important for, I don't know whether the governments are aware of these kind of effects, right? So these kind of things that we want to um, put out um, for, for governments to see that. And we see that people do realize what we are doing very interesting. Because perhaps, I don't know if you know, so NASDAQ uh, highlighted Amdena in their billboard like last week. Uh, and recognizing the work that we are doing and this appreciate the things that we have been trying to do in, in this kind of data-driven policy making uh, during pandemics. So that's what we are doing. Right. So, so tell me, I mean, do you see COVID-19 being that source which could possibly nudge forward the emergent technology conversation? Because, I mean, you know, at this point in time, uh, largely there is... Uh, the awareness is not there of the, the fourth industrial revolution, of what all of these technologies can do. You know, I mean, right from your AI, your ML, your blockchain, your IoT, synthetic biology, um, AR, VR, MR, all of these technologies are actually converging. And with the help of 5G, possibly this conversation could be driven forward. Now, do you see uh, COVID-19, the natural disaster, driving the conversation of adoption of uh, these technologies forward? You know, I, I answer these kinds of questions with a quote from Jack Ma, and Jack Ma said, there are no experts of future. Huh. <laughs> I, I yeah. don't want to be an expert of future. Um, I can just, I don't know what will happen. It's very, very difficult where things will go. But I, one of the things that I do is I do uh, work with a lot of banks, and primarily European banks, and I just gave a talk last week to a bunch of like around 150 bankers from different parts of the world came, and I talked to them, and I, what I understand is, um, what it would perhaps uh, do is is uh, adoption of of certain automation. It will hasten that kind of direction. They are looking for that because um, they are realizing that we are living in an era where such things might happen more and more. And and you know that could uh, we should rightly or wrongly. I'm not kind of arguing yes or good or bad, but go into more automation direction. 
So I think that would lead to more adoption of technologies like um, machine learning and AI or automation in general. Um, other than that, I don't know about remote work. It's, it's, it's a very interesting thing which way it will go. It might go in one direction. People say, oh, people will be more remote work. But it could also go in the other direction. I think it could also make people realize a lot of things. And now when people are going through this lockdown, I think more people realize they want to create more meaningful connections with other people. They, they realize they're too much in a hurry of life and, uh, you know, and they want to create more connections. So it's, it's, I don't know which way it will go. It might be very well go in the direction of you know, creating more uh, meetings and more people connecting um, rather than going less online. Um, I don't know. I mean, there is another study which I was reading. It says that whether there will be more babies or more divorces. And by far, they say there will be more divorces than more babies. And the reason is, again, people are realizing a lot of times that they are the partners they are having are not fulfilling their life. The environments that they are in, either through partners or work, are not fulfilling. In the last two weeks, at least 10 people that I know have said they are going to leave their jobs. No one said they are going to stay in their jobs, except the start people who are doing startups. <laughs> So I, I, I think that I do not know where the world will go, uh, but I hope that the world goes to a direction where there is more trust, there is more connections, there is more realization to the life that is it's 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 very valuable the time we are alive and you know creating a more more better world. I, I hope that's the direction we go for, not more isolation, not more nationalism closing borders and not meeting each other being suspicious about each other i hope not i hope that's the role where not we go and i i think i, I I'm, I'm quite hopeful i think people normally are not going to go in the direction to be happy in life you need to do what you love and if you're not doing what you really like then obviously you, you're not having a meaningful life right so so there are Besides the negatives, there are positives of of COVID nineteen, right? Especially in Bombay, I'm based out of Bombay, so I mean, after I mean, ages, I'm seeing I'm on thirteen floor, so I'm seeing a sky which is not a smog, I mean, not full of smog, you know, and and I don't hear these constant honking of these cars, you know, and I actually hear these birds. So somehow I feel is that maybe we we should take like a month off from the year where everybody goes in lockdown and starts connecting with each other, building relationships, physical relationships. Today, if you see, we are largely living a, a very, you know, lives on these designer lives on social media when actual lives could be completely else. Could you share a little bit more about your initiative that you've been doing on your AI for good, your ethical AI, whatever? Um. So I think I completely agree with that. And I am also super optimistic about all that has happened. And I think, I think that's the direction I hope it will go. If not, you know, as Gandhi said, be the change you want to see in the world. So if not others do it, we should start doing that so that people can and do something. And I think that's the, it fits into the whole idea of Amdena, what we just said, you know, we, the idea of this, we are one, we are not, like really nationalism, I'm not, I mean, okay, we can define our cultural, I'm come from India and I am an Indian and I am, I will be always an Indian, but still we should come, think ourselves as global citizen, as we are one people. We, and that's the direction that I want to go with Omdena too. Like 
people coming together, different backgrounds, cultures, solving problems, because a lot of these problems that we're talking about, let's say when we're working with Safe City in India on sexual harassment, it's the same problem that uh, uh, collaborators is talking about from Nigeria and Kenya. They said that we face the same problem. Often the problems are not local. Often the problems are global in nature. Such problems require a global effort to solving. And this is something Harari also wrote, and I, I absolutely lo love everything that he wrote in that piece. Um, he talks about that what is really sad in this effort to solve COVID was a lack of global effort. Every country just closed their border and stopped actually solving it globally together. Because look, even if let's say today a country completely closes the border, solves the problem of COVID, no more COVID, the moment they're open, if another country has not solved the problem, they will get back. You cannot solve this problem at a local level. You have to solve this problem at a global level. And this is what Ambien is trying to do. We, we as, a, as a community has to come together. And, and another thing I also truly believe that the future problems, because of the, decent, the access to knowledge and internet, problems are best solved bottom up, not top down. And, and this is what Taiwan actually talks about how Taiwan solved the problem. They say that they realize the central planning system does not work. Do you have to decentralize the decision making? You have to have a, a, a bottom-up approach to problem solving, not a top-down approach to problem solving, which is again a very new way of thinking. But that's what Omdena is doing. We are a bottom-up movement. People coming together and solving the problems they want to solve. And I think that's the direction that you know, post-COVID or non-COVID. Anyway, we are we believed in the direction. And I think with the COVID situation, maybe more people realize this is maybe the direction that we should be moving ahead. And 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 that's what we see. So nothing changed for us because of COVID. I think it just makes it even more realized that what is wrong in the world and what we are doing, I think, makes me sense, yes, that is the right direction of going bottom up, global collaboration, um, use of technology, decentralization, democratization, access to knowledge, opportunities. And that's where I see this whole thing moving ahead also. Lovely. So, yes, I mean, you know, you said, I mean, people are closing borders, you know, they don't realize that we are in it together. And there is so much inequality. I mean, I'm jumping to something else, but uh, the 1% of the global elite owns more than 80 to, 80 to 90% of the entire global wealth. And I guess this is the time these tech behemoths and these billionaires need to open their hearts and say that, okay, we are all in it together and we will start helping and opening up our banks also and giving you the money because if we don't have a world, if, if the world doesn't have consumers, then I don't have my business, right? So yes, I think we need to all start taking owners and doing a bit and and we need to understand that this is one planet and we are all in it together and we need to all come together and that's the only way to move ahead so what comes next for uh, omdena and what comes next for personally for you i mean we continue solving interesting problems around the world right so that's what we will continue doing it and um not only about covid because Despite having the, the COVID, there are many, many bigger problems in the world. For example, we will start one project next day after tomorrow with Arizona State University uh, organization called Shaping Edu and on understanding the effects of uh, student debt um, on, on younger population. And given the current scenario, it's even going to be worse because uh, there will be a problem with job markets. So, you know, how students are dealing with debt and that might help policymakers and governments primarily in the US, it will be US centric, but also maybe in other parts of the world to, to understand how do you build better policies. 
So that's one of the things that we've been working on. We are also looking at many different pro interesting problems and you know, organizations reach out to us. Um, like for example, uh, Safe City, we might work with them on domestic violence. Uh, one of the projects is looking at prim primarily what are the effects of domestic violence and how it has affected a uh, lot of, maybe men too, I'm, and I'm not just saying women are only the one victims of domestic violence, um, how it has affected these people. So there are, there are tons of problems out there and we just want to continue doing, you know, the, what we have been doing, maybe uh, scale up even further and, you know, not run two per month, but run five per month and, and not have 900 people or have a few thousand people, you know, in a, in a year or so. So that's what we are doing. And personally, again, I mean, I think my, uh, my profession and personal life is same. I mean, I don't have this distinction. Um, and this is what I enjoy doing and I absolutely love doing what I'm doing. And, and this is what I want to continue doing it. Lovely, lovely, Rudhadeep. It was a pleasure talking to you. I mean, this conversation kind of like drifted and we went all over, but it was lovely con conversing and understanding your vision and, and what you see the world as. And I guess, I mean, like you said, I mean, we are all in it together and, and we need to all play a part. And, and what you're doing, you know, giving access to opportunity to those so many talented people in the world, I guess that's going to come to the forefront, you know, because right now there's so much conversation about laying off people because the big companies are like, I mean, they, they put their hands up. Okay, I'm done. And so so but that's where you come in, you know, and that's where the collaborative model comes in, you know, because the rise of automation also gives the rise of the individuals such as yourself who understand that there are going to be millions who are going to be laid off, but, you know, we could rescale and upskill them and kind of use them and build a collaborative future and build a better world so on, on that note to my listeners if you like what you see please and hear then please uh, press the subscribe button and like always i'm going to leave behind all the details of my guests down below so you can reach out and connect because this is about building an ecosystem because like you i also follow the same uh, ethos that you know it's it's only together we can uh, build a better world so thank you to the it was a pleasure talking to you and to my listener until next time see you guys bye bye thank you